You're listening to Puck Pacific episode 18, the last of the season. Don't forget to subscribe for next season. Listen to old episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes, and enjoy the show. Hello again. And welcome to Puck Pacific for the last time this season, episode 18. I'm Bo Hamby. I'm Mason Riley. And like I said, you're listening to Puck Pacific. And uh, here we are, still doing the same thing, getting ready to wrap up, watching the Ducks play. Uh, they just tied the game up versus Edmonton, so as we, as we talk, we will react as it happens, I guess. We'll update you with uh, some Ducks Oilers scoring. Hopefully not overtime. Um, although this season in the playoffs has seen more than ever before in the first round. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, first game and we almost saw overtime in Nashville, uh, St. Louis. Late goal by Vern Fiddler. Uh, now it looks like maybe a challenge in this Edmonton game. So, you know, it's um, overtime seems to be the flavor of the month. Which could make for a very tired Stanley Cup final, uh, depending on who who gets it. But we'll see. Um, I'm wondering how this goal is going to come back. But one team that will not be tired because they have been eliminated, the San Jose Sharks. Um, we both suggested that they would most likely not make it past the first round. Uh, that came true. Um, mostly, I would say, if you're a fan of the Sharks. I will. I will speculate at first. You can tell me if I'm right. You're right. gonna. You're gonna blame most of that offseason loss on uh, a Couture who was probably fifty percent, maybe seventy five percent, and a Thornton who was like maybe twenty five percent at best, um, as well as a Hurdle and a Marlowe who were, you know, also a little. Uh, let's say, what's what's the word I'm looking for. Not leaky, but like kind of creak, creaking, creaky. Is that a, is that a word? I don't know. I would call them banged. Like up. an old house is is creaky, right? Sure. Yeah, creaky is the right word for that. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what I would describe Marlo as. Okay. Um, so you know, things just kind of are falling off, like the stairs and the lampshades are kind of moldy and that kind of thing. That's, Definitely, the wheels felt like they were falling off a little yeah. bit on some of these guys. Um, so uh, that and the power play. Um, although the power play scored five. Total goals in the play in the in the six games. Uh, so you know maybe, but but I have some issues with that as well. Well, if you count, yeah, exactly. The problem with that is there's all in that one game where they won seven zero. Four of them were in that. Four of them were in that one game. So so yeah, that without that game, the stats look real awful. Um, yeah, and I I definitely think it's the injuries, but also the moves we made in the off season and at the trade deadline. Those players, Bedker and Hansen didn't really have any effect on the series and were pretty much unheard of. I think Hansen had a, had a decent series. I think the first line was pretty much decimated when could, when Thornton was injured. Um, mm-hmm. Pavelski had, what, four points during the series? Mm-hmm. Two and two? Yes, yes. Um, but wasn't a, uh, the game changer that he was last year, um, scoring timely goals that didn't happen as much. Um, Hansen was playing with Thornton and was playing very well with those two. So when you lose Thornton, I mean, that's obviously Joe is a, a huge element to that team. 
And then when he only gets, I mean, you you miss the first two games, you play in the last four, you get two assists. It's good, but you're playing with two torn knee ligaments, um, which no one should be playing with if you want to, you know, keep playing after that season, in my mind. Like, it's a valiant effort. It was, you know, everybody calls him a warrior. Yeah, obviously, hands down. But (laughs) was it the smart thing to do? I mean, I don't know, especially if you're going to keep playing and and you feel like your window is still open, like that could do real damage to your knees um, and you could be out for a long time. So uh, I, I I really respect what he did and I, I, I respect that winning drive to no matter, the, no matter the cost, get my team in, but obviously it wasn't good enough still. Yeah, I mean, I understand the, uh, the thought process to play for this season, you know, to play for this, especially after going to the finals last year. But as an older player who, you know, your body's just not going to recover like it used to, to play on two hurt ligaments like that seems unwise. Um, and for Marlo to play a little hurt too, I mean, it, it was a thumb. So Broken. It's a little different. Broken yeah. thumb. That's still, that's still a substantial. It's a little different as far as I mean, ligaments. honestly, I was most impressed with him because he had he had three goals mm-hmm. and two uh, three goals and an assist. The the assist and the, and the goal came in the 7-0 route. But then the other two goals came in game five and six. So, like, if anybody stepped up at the right time, it was Marlowe and Hurdle, who, yes, had a broken foot, which, again, that's to me it's insane that we're talking about NHL players playing with any sort of broken anything and playing. I think in any other league, and, yeah, okay, that's, like, yes, my, my you know, hashtag my sport is tougher than yours. Hashtag mm. like my sport. Like, yeah, I get that. But, like, at the same time, no one in the NBA would play with a broken foot yeah, oh, definitely. And it's the same thing. It's you're skating. It's not like I mean, the so, only player I could say would play as tough as that would be Brett Favre because he played a few uh, playoff games and Super Bowls and, and all that with broken hands and stuff. But yeah, like, I'm sure and Michael Jordan with the flu. You know, mm-hmm. there are there are plenty of of classic examples. But uh, I think on each team, day in day out, the number of guys that you talk about with injuries are vast. Yeah, you have Carlson um, in Ottawa playing hurt right now. So uh, I I don't know if that's well. He was playing her. I don't know if he's... it was. It was like, like, uh, strike. I don't know. It was like cramps in his muscles, which is like a. Day I saw something about thing. fractured foot bones or ankle bones or something. They would never confirm that during the playoffs. Oh, okay. That would never be a. So that's. Okay, not so true. that's gossip. Yeah, that's, from, that's gossip not from true. Mason. Um, and he's playing forty minutes a night on in double OTs, so I doubt that. Um, anyways, <clears throat> back to San Jose. Uh, another thing I noticed was Martin and Blasic were maybe not as effective as a shutdown pair against Edmonton. Uh, that was something that, you know, line for line on the offense was not able to shut down. So when you rely on a, a pair like Vlasic and, Mar- uh, and, and Martin, um, those, those guys to me weren't, weren't as effective. Again, we're talking San Jose. When you make it to the, to the cup finals, you, you make timely plays and, when you get out of the first round, a lot of that is because your execution isn't there. Just just look at Chicago. Um, so I think that's kind of what happened to San Jose is with defensemen. With I think every, that could be said for everybody, pretty much everybody, except for Martin Jones, who I feel mm. like had a pretty good series. Yeah, I don't think you can blame him. It's definitely on the on the forwards most. Oh, the forwards and, and Vlasic, I definitely saw him get beat by McDavid on a regular basis, and... It was not the normal Vlasic that I'm used to seeing. So I put it a little bit on his pairing. And Vlasic's maybe the kind of guy, you know, we see him as a, as a top as a top pair defensive guy, but he's good at shutting down the, the big physical guys and not letting them get to the front. It's a different kind of breed against McDavid. So that could be a, that could be an issue going forward. 
Um, and maybe Vlasic has to change the way he ad- addresses things. Speaking of Bodker, um, I was obviously, I mean, I wasn't disappointed, but he was someone that if you look at as a Sharks fan, you would be disappointed in. He's got three years left at four million. Do you think there's, do you think, do you think there's a chance he he fits in with the Sharks? Okay, so at the beginning of the year, things were looking promising. Um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't any any top line or even second liner really, but he looked like he fit the style of play. Um, and and then towards the end of the year when we started really failing on offense, he was almost non-existent. He doesn't really play a physical game. Um, so I hope they can find a way to slot him in. Maybe they can find a line, that combination that works with him best, but so far it's yet to be seen. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about it for sure. It'll It'll depend on what we do with re-signing as far as Marlowe and, and Thornton next year and how they want to rearrange and reorganize the team. Well, yeah, there's, I, I think, do you know what, what Ward's contract is? Ooh, I want to say it's four years, but I don't know how many. Um, well, I, I, I think Ward is the kind of guy you would rather keep than Bodker. And then when you're looking at Thornton and Marlowe, I think they'll probably offer Marlowe a one-year deal, which he probably won't take. He, that, but that's the only way they can keep him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll they'll re-sign Thornton. I, I think I you have to. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I think when you uh, going back to the playoffs real quick, one guy we haven't mentioned, and again this speaks to the kind of performance he had is Brent Burns. Um, ended the season not so hot, very few goals, um, and then no goals in the playoffs. Uh, three assists. He led the team in shots, but like. There was something, you know, there was that that level missing that he usually has, um, and uh, I don't know, it wasn't there. And you know, if you're gonna go far again, you need him to step up. Yeah, I think that's the boost that we all were waiting for was the Burns early goal to really be like, oh yes, he's going. So let's all get going. I mean, I say us like I'm on the ice, but the players on the ice and the Sharks. Um, so the fact that that never really came, except for in that. What was that game five where we scored seven? Um, yeah, but he didn't even score in that game four. Yeah, so it, and that was Pavelski and Marlowe really and Couture setting it off. So he never really gave us that boost, unfortunately. That's yeah, too bad. which is which is funny because <laughs> Schle- David Schlemko had two goals and an assist and tied tied for Burns with three points towards the top. So yeah, and well, I, I mean that's that's good. That's that's a bright spot. But when Burns has nothing. That's yeah. that's a bad spot. Exactly. If, uh, you want Schlumko to play that well, but you want to, want Burns to play significantly better than Schlumko. You want everybody to raise their game, not <laughs> yeah. just not just the bad not well not the bad guys, but the the lesser the lesser. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so there there will definitely be some moves in San Jose. What will be done? I don't know uh, because there's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot that can be moved around. I like their their core for the most part. I think not if you don't bring Marlowe back, that maybe frees up some room. Maybe bring in some new young young guys, uh, help help make an impact. Timo Meyer, I really liked, so I would I would be optimistic if I was a Sharks fan still, I think. Yeah, there's still plenty of young guys that are fun to watch. I mean Milker, Meyer, uh, Sorensen, all these guys are, are gonna be good in the next few years and if they can continue to develop uh, you know, as long as they're not stagnating, like we kind of saw with Hurdle because of injuries for a little bit, I think it'll be all right. Will we be uh, in the cup next year? Uh, if I were to guess now, I don't think so, but we'll see. Well, way too early for that, anyways. Yep. Um, the 
other, well, I guess not the other news that broke today. The news that did break today was Vancouver finally found the right guy for the job, uh, at least in my book. Travis Green, the former coach of their AHL club, the Utica Comets, has been officially hired by the Vancouver Canucks. So they're back to, and also for me, the biggest news is Trevor Linden finally admitted he said the word rebuild it happened so it took literally an entire season for him to get what the fans were saying the entire time but uh you know i but you know as long as it takes they're on the right they're on the right track now so i don't know what's what's your what's your reaction to all i this? guess the uh, the first the first step to getting better is admitting you have a problem right so yeah green is it's everything I've seen is looks like it's a good signing. He's going to be a personality that they all really like and enjoy. Um, they expect him to be tough on the young guys, which is kind of funny because that's why they had to start in. But is it tough? I, I don't know if it's I don't know if his reputation is as being a tough guy on the. I, he's known as being an extremely great developmental mind for young guys. I guess uh, not tough as much as just have high expectations. Maybe maybe that's a better way of putting it. Also, Edmonton just looks like they scored uh, to go up. There's no use in four three updating like play-by-play play because this isn't live so we can just talk about it okay, when it's done okay. thanks both <laughs> anyways but yeah so green uh he's gonna have high expectations for the young guys which is something they want to do in that rebuild uh and he's from within so they didn't have to they have someone who's kind of familiar with him as well i like the uh i like the developmental the side of things because it if you're if you're vancouver and you're admitting to a rebuild it means you're going to be bringing a lot of young guys up and you already have a lot of young guys in your system already. Um, and you're the kind of team that's going to need young guys to play in the NHL, which means you need to de- both develop and win at the same time. That's a very hard mm-hmm. thing to do. I think Green is the right person to do that. It's a hard thing to do, which means there's going to be a lot of painful, painful weeks, months, seasons even to come. Um, but the end result and patience will be needed but the end results will be much more satisfactory than if you were to just go coach to coach, dependent on the team that you have, building on the fly, trying to win as is. That's not going to happen. Um, so I'm I'm glad. And also one like small thing I I found interesting: coaches nowadays, like Gallant in Vegas, got a three year contract. Mm-hmm. That's like the minimum. So if you're going to be paying a guy, and also they're getting paid like $4 million a year now. That's quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to pay a guy that much, not only on a, on a developmental side or, or a, you, you know, a guy you know, they're going to be paying a guy for a while. you got to kind of almost be able to say this investment is something I'm comfortable with. Um, so I think with, with Green, it is something they're comfortable with. Um, he's played over 1,000 games in the NHL with – over five te- or five with five teams played until 2008 so he kind of knows the the new era the dead puck era if you will um and and they're also they're starting with zero's expectations so basically his mission is don't fuck it up like that's it which i think is as a new coach you know a complete rookie coach in the nhl that's exactly what i would want if i was him yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know what your definition of don't fuck it up is, but I think as long as he's able to develop these guys and to you know continue to develop the young guys there, uh, especially Horvat, and make him and have the tutelage of the Sedins and all this kind of going for him as far as well, it, making some future great players, 
um, then yeah, it's really really gonna pretty uh, gonna be pretty hard for him to fuck it up in the first couple of years. Yeah, I agree, and it reminds me as an LA Kings fan of like the Terry Murray era, or even before that, when you have these young guys, you've drafted good goalies, good defensemen. Uh, Terry Murray developed them, gave that defensive side to their game, but then Sutter was the guy that took him to the next level and won the cup. I think Travis Green, you know, despite maybe not five years from now getting the yeah, I mean this is a lot of hypotheticals here, obviously. <laughs> but it's that same idea where he's the kind of guy who's expected to bring their rookies to another level and then the pros will be needed to bring to another level by another guy who has experience in the NHL, has experience in the cup, that kind of thing. Um but uh you know, I think his Utica Comets roster has been decimated by the Vancouver Canucks needing young guys. So it's almost unfair if you don't give him a shot. They didn't inter- interview anybody else. Uh, he was he was the guy, uh, and which is and that probably feels good. good too. Yeah, I mean that's definitely uh, giving him a lot of votes of confidence going into a, a fresh season. Um, and I mean outside of the standings, I think we'll see some improvements on the Canucks uh, next year for sure. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I'm 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 a little bit. I have my panties in a little bit of a bunch because they finally did something I agree with, um, which I think makes them immediately a better team next year. The thing I, unfortunately for them, uh, uh, Nikita Triamkin has left the Canucks for the KHL. Uh, signed a contract with the KHL team because he wasn't happy with his ice time in Vancouver. He was a big. I wouldn't say he's a one-two piece for Vancouver going into the future, but he was a, a three-four piece for them, and that's a that's a significant loss for their future. So this draft is going to be big. This expansion draft is going to be even you know more significant for who they lose. What happens with the Sedins again? What happens with Ryan Miller? He's a UFA. There's a lot a lot to to you know happen in Vancouver this off season. Two teams, San Jose and Vancouver, and then next up on the bill. Another new coach, Los Angeles. I'll, I'll go to you for your reaction right away. Um, knowing you and having heard you talk about Stevens in the past uh, few years, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. It's a good, it's a, a slight shift, right? It's not a complete uh, change of coaching style and parameters. And, um, I mean, the, the guys are going to know him and they're going to be comfortable with him. And everything uh, in the interviews he's saying is just, you know, improving the things that they did terribly last year. And that's exactly what you want. So if you can get it done, that's going to be fantastic. I was surprised at the specifics he went into. Um, I was, I transcribed all of his interviews and his pressers. So I listened to everything, <laughs> both him, John Stevens, and Rob Blake said. Um, here are a couple things I'm surprised by. Um, one, the talk of analytics, which obviously has been coming up more and more in today's NHL. But the specifics that he brought up. The fact that their shot quality was not good enough, meaning where the shots were coming from, too far out, and their zone entries. Their zone entries were not clean. Uh, so but that basically, to condense everything he said into one quote, uh, and I am quoting here, uh, if we lead the league next year in coaches' challenges for goaltender interference, I'd be real happy about that, end quote. Um, I think that basically summarizes what the Kings are trying to do next year. Uh, it's bring their guys closer to the net. It's bring the battles into the front. Make it tough. Make it dirty. Go back to what kind of worked, really, for them. Uh, anybody who watched a Kings game knows that 
they uh, that they were shooting from well far outside. A lot of their shots coming from the point or outside the circles. Uh, for me, it's the easiest fix, um, and it's it's the right thing to do. Uh, and again, just like the Canucks, Stevens was the only guy they talked to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think the thing I'm most interested in is just the change in the way that the press conferences go between Sutter and him. Not even related to hockey as much as just like entertainment value for me because Sutter can be so short with people and, and so brash. Well, it's it, Sutter was entertaining, but he was also terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, as a reporter, if you you know you could be chewed out, really worse. You know you could have your worst day any day with with Sutter. Um, and, you know, and and any reporter that only you know watches home games that doesn't travel with the team. He, he notices those things, <laughs> and he would go after you. Uh, not go after you. That's – sorry. That's too much. But he would – you know, Sutter was a master of the media. And in the playoffs, in the regular season, he knew what to say at the right times. He took he took a lot of the attention away from Kopitar, away from these guys a lot of times, even from Brown, from Gabrick, when they weren't playing well. Mm. And that was that was a real tip of the hat. I mean, as, as far as the organization goes, I think that played way more than, than people think. So Stevens is much more of a soft-spoken guy, yes, for sure. I don't think he'll have any trouble getting across to the players because they realize that they had a shit season. They're going to need to listen to a guy. They know that if they don't make it work with Stevens, that the coach has been fired, next is the players. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty clear message. Definitely. Um, so I, I, have, I have no doubt that the Kings are going to improve next year. Um, I really hope that they take this kind of message to get dirty, like down and dirty, and they and they run with it because you know it it might be just as much of a grind as it was in the Sutter system, but I think it'll be more fun to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I th- I hope that he can give them some sort of looseness in the in the locker room that they they didn't have under Sutter, so that they can actually maybe have a little bit more fun. Like Dowdy seems to have fun up there, and some of these guys, but uh, you know, maybe a little bit of lightening the mood could be good for them. I don't know. Um, it's it's. Uh, it's not too drastic of a change, and maybe he will keep it, you know, very similar in the locker room. But it... no, but I agree, and, and also keep in mind, Stevens predates Sutter um, in the LA Kings uh, organization. He was here with Terry Murray um, mm-hmm. uh, since 2010. Uh, he was the associate associate coach after winning the second cup. So he's, you know, he's been with this team for seven years. He's been with the team since Kopitar and Brown were drafted. All those guys. So I, I think the relationship thing, he knows – he's seen this team go through this downfall, and he kind of now has a has a front-row view as to what went wrong and to maybe some ideas as to how it can be changed. And I think the personnel relationship issue is just as important as the uh, as, as the X's and O's. And he, he mentioned that in his press conference as well. Uh, a good example of that, by the way, Glenn Gullitson in the Calgary Flames – after they had a really tough game, I think it was sometime in October, and the team talked, and he was with them, mm. and everything kind of changed after that. Look up Mark Spector or some Sportsnet article. There's some. There's a good read on that. You should. You should. If if you're interested in the relationship aspect of these things, that's a that's a good case study. Um, mm-hmm. Deeper than just the gameplay. Yeah, definitely. The other thing that will help next year, and that I was surprised by, um, Gabrick has undergone a knee surgery. Um, and he will be out until either in training camp or after um, a very long time. This is a this is the second time he sprained his knee since 2013. He's had multiple procedures on his left knee in that time. Uh, so, you know, there was obviously a jump missing from his step this last season, 
anybody could see that in any game uh, if this happens. And if, if the surgery goes well, which it seems to have, and he recovers well, and he can score 15 goals, I would be happy if, if he stays because he's not being bought out. Um, and then Martinez had a surgery on his groin, which is more of a chronic issue, which may be a little bit more worrying if he injures it again. But then Forbort and Toffoli also had uh, knee surgeries. Um, Forbort played all 82 games. Toffoli was close to there. He had some surgery, so that may not have been a surprising. But I would expect Toffoli to have a bounce back here. Also, though, his uh, he's an RFA along with Tanner Pearson. They're just finishing bridge contracts. So the Kings will either need to sign them or get something back as equal value. And that's going to be extremely tough. So expect that to be a top priority for the Kings this, this offseason. Yeah. Big, uh, big first moves for Rob Blake. It's it's because if he doesn't sign them, you're in trouble. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, who do you, I mean, I guess you have to sign them both really. Like you can't choose one over the other. And that's going to be some creative, uh, some creative cap space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's it for the Kings. I, you know, just just as much as the two teams we talked about before, they're gonna have a, a busy off season. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all these guys that are getting out early, they have a lot more to work on, obviously, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be, I think, hardest for. I, I'd actually say the Sharks because it's gonna be an interesting a few contracts and uh, the, all these injuries at the end of the year and seeing how Thorne comes back and things like that. But Kings will definitely have a difficult time as well. And that's not even mentioning Arizona or Calgary. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a few other teams we haven't even mentioned in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I expect Calgary to pretty much do exactly the same next year. Get to the first round and go out. But we'll see. I mean, it's got a lot of... A lot of we still have to finish the playoffs this year, which, by the way, we should probably cover a little bit of Edmonton and Anaheim. Yeah, you're, uh, you're a little soft-spoken tonight, huh? Not not too much to not too much to include so far. What as far as <laughs> as far as everything? <laughs> my sadness on stats. Yeah, well, I'm just depressed mostly because of the way the Sharks performed, and so it's uh, you know, I mean. Well, now, are you rooting for Edmonton in this series, or are you rooting for Anaheim? I can't root for the Ducks, so I gotta root for Edmonton, even though they beat us. Um, so yeah, I mean, I want to see the Oilers just go all the way and be like, all right, well, at least we lo- lost to the team in the Pacific that that did it. So we could talk about game one now that it's over. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Oilers, to my surprise at least, uh, came away with a 5-3 win, including an empty netter as the fifth goal. Um, Dreisaitl, I don't know if that was his first shot on goal of the game, but him and McDavid were not nearly as much of factors as, I mean, if I'm McClellan, as I was hoping, mm-hmm. um, and yet they still come away with a win. That's got to be a huge, huge I mean, surprise and great. Like, you know, you're going home with a smile on your face, even though you probably, I mean, if uh, the way I saw it, they probably didn't ex- look like they should have won. Well, I think they're very thankful for Latestu um, because he had, what, two goals pretty early on? Two power play goals. He's yeah. got, I think, just three goals all postseason, all on the power play. Yeah, so he's really, I mean, at least in this game particularly, he was he was cleaning up those rebounds, which are huge. And, and any game that's going to be high scoring against Edmonton is probably not good for the Ducks. They have to beat them with defense. Um, giving up five goals tonight, that's that's obviously not playing that great of defense. Um, and Talbot let one get away from him, so that was a little bit of, you know, they could have played a little better on their own defense too. 
Which which one are you mentioned? Uh, the mentioning? breakaway, the three the three v two. I think that tied it up three three. I I would also say, Talbot got away got let got one got let oh my gosh, let one get away from him, but the game winner wasn't a a very solid goal that Gibson let in. It was from behind the net. Um, giving up you know five goals is not ideal, but I don't I wouldn't say I wouldn't put that on him. There was a lot of special teams. There was a lot of a lot of power play from both teams. Uh, Edmonton got some crazy stuff in the second period um, with some, like, uh, I, I can't remember who put the hook on. Uh, I think it was Larson or somebody's mask or uh, visor, um, and they were able to get a 5-on-3. So a lot of that I can't put on Gibson. Uh, just kind of not even stupid penalties, just, like, kind of strange plays that turn into a lot of power play time. But that's something we saw in the Calgary series as well. Um, the Calgary scored six power play goals in four games versus Anaheim. And I don't want to say it's stupid power, power plays that they're giving up, especially since they got Fowler and, and Lindholm back in this game. So they have more experienced D mm-hmm. and it's not those inexperienced D that are taking these penalties. It's, it's just kind of like they're shooting themselves in the foot for no apparent reason. Um, stupid penalties that are not part of the Anaheim I don't know status quo like for it's it's one thing that is an x factor in this series but it's not an x factor that I can easily explain um for whatever reason um and I mean so I think I also can't explain Latestu yeah I mean that's a an odd player for them to be scoring I mean I expected Drysaddle to get some goals they even got one where Larson was wide open and at the point so that was uh Lars, uh, Larson got one, and Dreisaitl did get the empty netter. Okay, so I mean he, w- he did get involved, but you know not uh, not until it was just the insurance goal, right. really. Um, so it's good that Edmonton's other players are stepping in when McDavid and Dreisaitl and Maroon aren't really uh, being the key players. Yeah, and and for me, I thought this was going to be an easy win for Anaheim. Game one at home, you get Fowler and Lindholm back. You, you're you 15-0-3 dating back to the regular season. This is their first regulation loss since losing to St. Louis back in March. Um, <laughs> that's a long time. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, they they were dominant in the face-off circle, as they always did, as they as they have been all year. Uh, they out-hit Edmonton, which Edmonton out hit San Jose. I thought that was going to be for me a factor to Edmonton winning was being physical. Mm. They weren't. Kessler looked really good against McDavid. McDavid did make a peak, a uh, peep in, in 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 my mind. Um, a couple, a couple, you know, dangerous chances. But Slepyshev had a more impactful game than him. Mm. Um, so uh, this, to me, the fact that they came away with the win is what's most surprising. Um, and I before this game was going to say Anaheim in 6 but now I'm going to say Anaheim in 7. Yeah, I was I was pretty much the same until they win this first game. Um what is interesting is while it doesn't seem like a super physical series, there was a little brawl at the end there. There I mean there's been some interesting little I, slashes. I, think, I, and... I disagree. I think it is a physical series. I think there there were there were many times where I mean even Lucic was getting banged up a little bit. Like this is it's it's game 1, so maybe it doesn't seem as as significant but this i think it's i think you have a point that i haven't seen it wear on throughout a series yet but i i definitely whenever i watch the ducks play i expect 
constant maybe like at least one or two per period very large hits that they replay over and over and i didn't really see that in this first game but that doesn't mean it wasn't a physical game just none of those large large plays that they that i'm used to yeah i think it's more of a a grind Mm -hmm. and i think there's smaller plays that you know like shot blocks by nate thompson as well those kind of things where you're out for five minutes you come back in and that's just gonna bug you for the rest of the not just the series of the game but the playoffs um you know that's you know whatever whatever these hits these guys take are are gonna they're gonna be felt the next day the next week and that's something that you know they they think about you know every Mm -hmm. every hit matters at this point because especially after this game one they know it's gonna be a long series uh so i i really thought when getzloff scored his first goal the first goal of the game that it was gonna be all anaheim in fact i said to you i I could see anaheim sweeping this Mm mm-hmm just just by the way they played in the first period and and Edmonton completely proved me wrong by converting on their opportunities and executing better than Anaheim so uh so I say Anaheim in seven but I could see Edmonton easily winning that game seven as well Mm -hmm. especially if it's Anaheim it's a close series uh for sure uh I think what is I'm continuously surprised by by watching the Oilers Sharks and now Oilers Ducks the offense, the depth on offense that the Oilers have is just, it's very fun to watch. And I'm continuously surprised by who they are getting production from. It's its not necessarily a, uh, a consistent player, but it's, you know, it's in all the lines. It's everyone, and it's, and tonight, five goals. And two of those from Latestu, who, like we said, I mean, you can't mention it enough. The dude did, what, 11, 16 goals in the regular season, and two in a, in a is the biggest game of the season so far. Um, and yeah, uh, Slepeshev took a bad penalty, but he was effective. Uh, McDavid and Drysaddle weren't. So yeah, like you said, you know, you get the win when those guys aren't really doing much. That's a, it's a testament to your offense for sure. Um, so, so what you think Anaheim and seven, I still think Anaheim and seven, because I think they're going to bounce back from this game. I think with uh, Fowler and Vatanen coming back, uh, they're going to take a little bit. They probably took this one game, maybe two games, to get back into a rhythm uh, uh, on defense and playing uh, playing playoff hockey, especially against a, such a fast-paced team like the Oilers. Um, and once that happens, they you know they're not going to give up five goals. And then it's a matter of uh, you know <laughs> winning those two one games, basically. So I, I agree for the most part. But what about the uh, what about the rest of the playoffs? Who you got? Who you got one of the rest of the series? St. Louis lost to PK Subban basically, and <laughs> That's a uh, but I I have Nashville winning that round. What about you? I think Nashville really is a is a fun dark horse in the West, and I I think they can win the, the conference. Uh, if they do have to face the Ducks, that would probably be the only way that I could see them losing in seven game series. Um, and then in the East, I mean, I want the Caps to win. That's all I really care about. Okay, but I want predictions here. Um, okay, well, who do you predict first? Let me let me ask you that, and then I'll see if I have My any. My God, so indecisive. Uh, okay, I have Caps in seven. Although, just like the Edmonton Anaheim game, I could see the Pens easily winning that seventh game. I think the the biggest thing the Caps have going for them is Chris Letang being injured. Um, to me, that really is like. I mean, as far as looking at that series, I Penguins Capitals is I mean the best Eastern Conference teams to I, me. I also think Mark Andre Fleury 
Annette is good, but not as good as Matt Murray was last year. Yeah, and it's too bad that he's hurting. And yeah, no, that. I agree. I, I mean, I like the Penguins. I want the Capitals to win more than the Penguins, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Matt Murray was something else last year. Uh, the other series is what New York Ottawa. I could give less shits about that series. Like I, I don't care. I'll root for um, Ottawa just purely because they're the right. lesser like, favorite team. <laughs> I'm rooting for Ottawa because I want to see the Rangers ruin Lundqvist's cup window, um, which is a really awful thing to say. I think. <laughs> yeah, but, it's a pretty pretty but, shade throwing. Uh, but you know, statement. that's what happens when you beat someone in the cup final. You kind of get this weird hate that lasts forever and for no reason. Uh, <laughs> Even though he won, <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't even lose to the, the the Kings did not even lose to the Rangers, but I still don't like Henrik Lundqvist. And we're still waiting to see if Holtby will just be this like insane goalie in the playoffs. He, he I think well he, can. I think he's got another level. I think McDavid has absolutely another level after seeing what he put on tonight, which wasn't much, if I'm honest. So if you had to pick a final, I'd probably. I mean, I'll pick. I think it's I, I if I if I'm hopeful, it's Nashville. It's Nashville, Washington. Okay. If I'm being realistic, I still think Penguins are going to beat the Capitals. I I agree. I think realistically, the Capitals are one in six against the Penguins all time in in playoff series. I think it is. Maybe it's one in wow. eight. It's bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I think they'll do much better than that. At least I think they'll go six or seven. But uh, no, if, I mean in series. Wins. Oh, oh, in total series. Okay, yeah, I was not like, like in all, to- no, only played no, total series, twice. Yeah, series records. Um, not well. Regardless, I'm thinking. Yeah, realistic version: Penguins, Ducks, like teams I want to see, Predators, Caps, and I think. Yeah. You know, one of those will happen on each side, <laughs> in each in each version of that. I I hope either one of the Predators or the Caps makes it to the finals. Yeah, because that make if it both the Penguins and the Ducks win, that's kind of like having the karate kid the karate kid's enemy win and what's his name what's the like kyle or something like mm. that oh man i'm really it's that's, like that's bad and then the, having the mighty ducks lose but like the the movie mighty ducks lose <laughs> that's like having usa lose in the movie miracle as <laughs> if the ducks and the penguins make it yeah so let's let's hope that doesn't happen yeah let's make it a much more exciting final than that please but that will be completely up to you. You will no longer have our opinions and nonsense to guide you on your hockey journey. Uh, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been interesting. Uh, I've enjoyed these 18 episodes for the most part. It's been a learning experience. I've enjoyed them. It's been I've a learning experience time. for me, uh, you know, both about myself, about you, about the internet <laughs> about <laughs> hockey radio uh about all those things i don't know what do you think well i just want to say thank you to the people that tuned in to multiple episodes or followed us all the way through um we appreciate your support um and yeah a lot of fun doing this uh i want to do it again next year bo will be trying to do it from new york with me so yeah we'll see what what sort of form this this takes next year if it's a weekly thing or if it's uh monthly Whatever, whatever form it takes, uh, follow us on Twitter. Basically, that's the only way. If I mean, I'm not. You don't have to subscribe anymore or anything like that. If you if you like what we say or anything like that, if you're interested, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Hamby underscore Bo, or uh, also you can follow the podcast uh, at Puck Pacific Podcast. I believe. Yep. 
Um, and then Mason is at Mason K. Riley. Yep. Follow all of us, any of us, either of us, uh, to keep updated on the podcast, on hockey, on us. And uh, enjoy the rest of the postseason. Yeah. Go Caps. Go Caps. Go Preds. Go Perds. Let's do it. And with that, we thank you for listening to Puck Pacific. Enjoy your life. (laughs) 